1: The following podcast is a Dear Media production.
0: Hi, and welcome to A
3: Thing or Two, a deep dive into stuff we think more people should know about. I'm Claire Mazer, And I'm Erica Cerullo. If you want more where this came from, head to A Thing or Two HQ.com to subscribe to our newsletter and to sign up for Secret Menu, our jazzy new hub for members-only content. To share
0: your thoughts on this episode or anything at all, leave us a voicemail at 833-632-5463 or DM us on Instagram at a thing or two HQ. As a reminder, we offer free ad reads to black owned businesses. So hit us up at podcast at a thing or two HQ.com. Hi. Hi.
1: I'm um, really
0: excited for today's episode.
3: Me too. Um, me too. We are, we are going to be talking with Jill Dunn and Carlene Higgins, who are the co- hosts of the very wonderful Breaking Beauty podcast. They are just incredibly smart and informative. They are longtime beauty editors and their podcast is lots of interviews with people like, you know, Jen Atkin, Dr. Pimple Popper. And they're just really smart on like industry things and not just, I don't know, not just like what products are happening it's, right now. It's
0: it's like the beauty intel that someone like me wants yeah. where I'm like, I don't want to know about the like four different lip glosses that are in right now because I just get bored by that stuff. But I am super inter- interested in like industry trends and like the business side of all of this and what the scandals are and all of
3: it. You're especially interested in the scandals, I would mm-hmm.
0: say. Very. My, my radar goes up when there's a scandal <laughs> in the midst. That's right. interested in it. <laughs> it is one of those things where I just like, I'm super interested in the conver- like the beauty conversations when they're happening with experts like Jill and Carlene, but I like you just won't find me on MakeupAlley.com.
3: No. No, no, no. That's fair. That's fair. Um, but first, something we have to talk about uh-huh. because the seasons have changed. Mm-hmm. Um, it is fall and some- there's something really important that we need to discuss, which is Cam's fall look.
0: <sighs> I can't believe how much time I had to spend dealing with it because he all of a sudden just had no clothes that were warm that fit him.
3: Well, of and, course, Claire, because he's a baby. He grows. <laughs> it's like last year's clothes don't fit. Like, well, that's this, his whole but, thing. Well, but okay. Yes, but last summer,
0: when he was a six-month-old in the summer, yeah. you and I went on like a shopping spree at Baby Gap. Remember? Yeah. And Of <laughs> like, course.
3: Of course. And we got him of- in, like, such a cute uh, Oxford onesie. We, yes. <laughs> we got him so much cute stuff. And then all of that stuff
0: fit again this summer, which I was just sort of like, okay, I guess.
3: So but you then, thought all of his fall clothes would fit too?
0: Kind of. Yeah, and then okay. now I just realized that Baby Gap basically has vanity sizing <laughs> and can't be trusted.
3: Can I tell our audience my confession, which is that I think the most <laughs> the, the thing that I really wanted out of this episode was for us to be able to say... Baby vanity sizing it's just super important to me
0: i I do think
3: that they are guilty of it though i, I <laughs> totally does it does it how does cam feel about like being the same size as a six month old like is it how does it make his self is like how does it affect his self-esteem?
0: It's a really interesting question. You know, he really only has one friend to compare himself to, and mm. he's like bigger than that friend, um, mm. like and just stockier. Um is stockier than than Sam? Sam. Yeah, and like weighs so much more. It's really crazy. yeah, and it's I would never have guessed. Okay. We haven't talked that much about body image beyond his belly button, which he feels great about. I feel great about his belly button.
3: Yeah, he really loves his
0: belly button. He has like a complicated relationship with his feet. Um, you know, when he he doesn't like them to be naked, like he likes to have socks or shoes on. Mm. And I think that that there may be some like early childhood trauma for him in terms of doing the like this little piggy went to market.
3: Mm, you mm, know? Mm, mm, um, and that may
0: have something mm, to do with it. Interesting. But that's about the extent of my understanding of his body image issues so far. Interesting. Okay. Um, okay. Well keep me posted. I will. So I had to buy him an entirely new wardrobe. I couldn't believe how much time it took. I will say that I do really appreciate that I think Chris appreciates how much time it takes to buy stuff like this. Like if, you know That's if, something. Right. Right. Because it does feel like I'm like Listen, I know you did the dishes, and I really appreciate that. But like, here is this invisible labor that you don't see. But I think he does appreciate that it takes so much time. I'm looking for sale
3: sweaters for our child. For our exactly. It, like, actually, takes way yeah. longer than scrubbing that pot.
0: Exactly, it takes so long. Um. So basically, what I what I usually do is I go to Smallable and I scrape their outlet and sale section. I'll also go to Scandyborn and Melly Joe, but Smallable is the best online children's department store, and I'll just in general go and scrape their outlet section, and then I go to and like filter for all of my favorite brands for sale and non-sale. So Cam's like number one basic his his anchor brand is Petit Bateau. Ooh, anchor
3: brand Petit yeah. Bateau feels right. <laughs> exactly.
0: Mm-hmm. We really he loves Buho, Emile Aida, Bobo shows. Oof, which is like. I mean, all of these brands are bonkers expensive and I rarely buy them on sale, but uh, even on sale is really expensive. And so it has to be the thing where I convince Chris, like he needs this knitted romper and this is going to be his like... Editorial piece. Exactly. This is going to be his (laughs) editorial piece um, for the season. Um, You know, this is is, like the marquee title um, and (laughs) usually Chris will let me have one of those um, as long as it's not like... um, Bloomers, doesn't, Chris bloomers. Doesn't like that's bloomers. right. He doesn't like a bloomer. He doesn't like a hot pant. Um,
3: yeah.
0: <laughs> he. What did Cam have this summer? A knitted hot pant. Yeah, he had a knitted hot pant. I loved it. It Chris was incredible. It. Yeah. It, that was Bobo shows, which is also truly like bonkers expensive, and you know, and those were on sale. Um, yeah. and they were his weird real piece Yeah. Of this <laughs> I really like this line, Poudre Organic. I would say that's like his athleisure brand. It's where he Mm. does gets his like French Terry sweatpants, and then his other like very editorial brand is Tiny Cottons, which is a brand out of Barcelona that's just absurd because it is like a little over the
3: top. Like it's (laughs) like a little tacky,
0: but like also so good.
3: Also, Uh, if there's ever a time to be tacky, it's you know when you're still in a diaper. Yeah, you know, and and in 2020 (laughs) also. Um,
0: And then he, for the first time, got some Patagonia outerwear this winter from his grandma, which is really exciting. And he seems pretty pleased with it. He got a um, Marty McFly vest. He got a red Marty McFly vest. He got a little like shearling fleecy hooded situation. Uh, yeah, he he's going to look great. He's going to look honestly better than me. He also, the other thing we had to do because that was like an actual emergency situation when it got cold was get him shoes that aren't summer shoes he's been wearing the little native shoes that all kids wear um but they have holes in them so i had to go to a mall which was as awful as it sounds we were in delaware and i had just like it all of a sudden got really cold and i was like i don't don't have any shoes for him to wear um so we went to baby footlocker and or kids footlocker whatever it's called last winter he wore all air force ones and i was like this is great this is your signature shoe i'm so into it um this year, there are no cute Air Force One high tops for babies. So we've transitioned to an Air Jordan. Fine. Um, which is like fine. The problem is they're all like three different colors. So I find it... That's... Yeah, 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 yeah. So I got him as like his winter boot, a Timberland. Like a classic well, Timberland. Well, that's like in his
3: color scheme anyway. That like mustardy color is perfectly in his color scheme.
0: It's, it, it is perfectly in his color scheme. I have to say he wore them... A couple weekends ago when we went on like an upstate jaunt to. Storm King and I felt <laughs> like he was trying too hard. Like well, he looked like those girls. He looked like that like meme of all the white girls in their like knee high boots at the apple orchard. Like it just was too crisp and perfect. And I was like, I don't know I if
3: this. I think is I'm Storm interested, perfect. maybe in him doing it in the city and I think maybe getting a little chalk on it or whatever. So that's and just what
0: Chris said. Chris think- was like, he has to dirty them
3: up. And that's yeah. I also heel. think that like wearing them to Storm King was a little <laughs> bit on the nose for yeah, a first exactly. wear. Um, exactly. Like (laughs) you can't do like, I'm going upstate in my
0: boots. Like, yeah, that's what it was. It all just felt like too much. And I just, uh, I was a little embarrassed for him. Honestly. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, you, that's so, you know, as, as you might expect, it's all in his classic color palette, navies, mustards, creams, some beiges. He does not do black. He doesn't look good in black and mm-hmm.
3: he accepts mm. that about himself. I mean, um, I believe he probably looks good in everything, but I believe that, you know, there's no reason for him to bother with black because he has mustard, you know, yeah.
0: he loves mustard and navy. Um, we've been doing some like I would say sort of like ochre colors mm. um, mixed in. He did get his first pair of corduroys this fall, which I'm really excited about. Wow, it's weird you didn't lead with that because you know how I like talking about corduroys for <laughs> fall. <laughs> they are a navy drop crotch corduroy, which actually brings me to another signature of his look, which is he loves a drop crotch. I think it works well with a
3: diaper. <laughs> it does. It does. Yeah. It looks great
0: with a diaper. Yeah. So, yeah, that's his, that's really his look. I've been on the search, I've been on the hunt for more knitwear and hats for him, but that shit's so expensive for babies. So, I've been having to be really, uh, be really on the hunt for the right price and the right design.
3: Um, well, I'm so excited to see how all these outfits come together. Thank you. He is too. All right. Let's bring on our guests, Jill Dunn and Carlene Higgins from the Breaking Beauty podcast.
0: Thank you so much to Cove for sponsoring today's episode. As you know, if you've been listening to this podcast for a while, I suffer from chronic migraines and have basically since I was a teenager. So this partnership with Cove feels very, very personal to me. And I'm honestly so grateful to them, not just for partnering with us, but for existing. I met the CEO of this company, Caroline, right when they launched. And I was so impressed with her because it was so obvious to me that she saw this as so much more than just an easy way to get migraine meds to people, which to be clear is a really big deal. If you suffer from migraines, getting your hands on meds easily, consistently, and quickly is so important. But Caroline and the team at Cove are clearly looking at what they do as something bigger. They're really interested in improving the overall quality of life for people who suffer from migraines. And honestly creating a community around it. She spoke so much about you know, looking into the vitamins and the supplements that can help with migraine prevention and what sorts of activities you know, people can do to help with prevention. What are the triggers? They just really clearly care and are thinking about migraine prevention and treatment from every possible angle. And it's really exciting to see because I, this is the first time I've really encountered a company like this.
3: Cove helps you get the migraine relief you need all online. Go to withcove.com and complete a quick online consultation. A licensed doctor will recommend a treatment plan customized to your migraine and your prescription will be delivered to your door for as little as $10 a month. Just a few minutes of your time and you get a personalized treatment plan from 20 plus research-backed doctor-recommended migraine medications. And you don't have to worry about running out because Cove sends your migraine meds every month.
0: Erica, you know that that's like the thing for me. I live in constant fear of A, leaving the house without my migraine meds or B, like just realizing I've run out and getting a migraine and not being able to do anything about it or having to like, get my ass to a pharmacy while I'm suffering from this intense pain. Uh, yeah. I think, feel like you always
3: know exactly how many you have left.
0: <laughs> oh, for sure. And if my, my mom also gets migraines and will sometimes like offer me some of her meds, I'm like, oh yes, please. Like, let me stockpile. <laughs> I need them in every purse. And like, I just, I, I can, it's like people with their inhalers or their EpiPens. I have to
3: be with it at all times. That's right. With Cove, no insurance needed, no trip to the pharmacy, all online. Meds sent right to your door. With Cove, you can have more migraine-free days. They've treated over 300,000 migraine attacks and counting. Go to withcove.com to see their reviews. 96% of customers give them five stars. Get the relief you need right now with Cove. Go to withcove.com slash a thing or two for 50% off your first month of medication and free two-day shipping. That's 50% off your first month of medication and free two-day shipping at withcove.com slash a thing or two. Spell W-I-T-H-C-O-V-E dot com slash a thing or two.
1: Hey, this is Alexis Haynes. Join me every Monday for a new episode of my podcast, Recovering From Reality. Whether you're
3: on the road to recovery, seeking self-care techniques for surviving the capitalist machine, or just need a moment to remember that you're not alone in your loneliness, I'm here to deliver intimate conversations and expert insights to empower you on the road towards authentic wellness. So are you ready to recover from reality?
0: Hi, Carlene and Jill. Thank you so much for joining us today. Hello. Um, Tell us about your podcast, Breaking Beauty. How long has it been around? What do you guys talk about? why should everyone be
3: listening?
1: (laughs) So we launched, we launched on, this is Jill speaking, by the way, we launched on the first day of spring in 2017. And our show, it really is all about the breakthrough people, products, and moments in beauty. We are two longtime magazine beauty editors ourselves. And about four years ago, when we had the idea for the podcast, there really weren't very many beauty podcasts in iTunes. I think there were three at the time we just knew that there were so many rich stories to tell. And initially we started off speaking to brand founders that we had met over the years in our careers as beauty editors, having lunch with Love Glassman from Fresh or, you know, being backstage with Pat McGrath or Charlotte Tilbury and just knew that... Iconic. Yeah. All of these people that are brand founders, when we would go back to the magazine and write about what was new, that was all there was room for but we knew them kind of on a more personal level in, in some ways. So we were like, people will want to know these stories. And nobody was really digging into that on YouTube or Instagram. And we thought the podcast would be the perfect medium. And so we started off talking to brand founders, uh, Glossier, Emily Weiss, um, Lev Glasman, like I mentioned, we've talked to Bobby Brown, you know, so many people over the years. And now we've evolved into speaking to thought, thought leaders and trend makers and and uh, everyone from influencers to Makeup by Mario, who's Kim Kardashian's makeup artist, just because there is so many diverse topics and diverse voices in beauty. So we want to be able to speak to every everybody that's relevant.
3: We also love the episodes that you both do around the trends you're seeing in the market, the stuff you're excited about, sort of what you're tracking, because you know, I think that helps to really shed light on not just even what's happening in beauty, but just like mm-hmm. how culturally things are shifting. And so we wanted to spend some time today talking to you both about what you're seeing, especially in this very, very, very strange year. Um, <laughs> it's 2020. Yeah. Would just love to dive into the trends that you have seen emerge uh, in, over the recent months or maybe like, you know, last eight, nine months even.
1: Go ahead, Carleen.
2: Yeah. I mean, there are a few things going on and I think one of them that is quite interesting is um, we've obviously seen such a massive growth in the clean beauty space and that's not new and that's not really going anywhere. We know, you know, Sephora has really invested in the clean at Sephora seal. And so there's a huge list of ingredients that the brands can't have on their list, or they can't be part of that designation. There's all kinds of different types of designations. But what's new this year is we're starting to see scientists kind of striking back against this clean beauty movement and kind Mm -hmm. of saying like, this has really gotten out of control in terms of it being all about marketing. And there isn't a lot of hard science behind some of these claims that, you know, these ingredients are not safe. Basically, they're saying that there's misinformation and that journalists and influencers have to stop just kind of mindlessly peddling these ideas without stopping to think and reference and research and interview really the primary sources for these topics. So, that's kind of what Jill and I have been digging into more this year. Um, we have interviewed people like Dr. Michelle Wong, who is a, a chemist. She goes under lab muffin on Instagram. People like kind of Steven, who is another cosmetic chemist um, here in Canada, Steven Co. We did an episode with the Eco Wells' Jen Novakovich on this topic. And, you know, Jill and I haven't, Thrown out the whole idea of clean beauty altogether because I do think that there still needs to be watchdogs, in my opinion, um, for the cosmetic industry because I don't just trust that you know they're going to make sure everything's safe.
0: What about twenty twenty? Made you feel like no one was, this was protect us? You know, <laughs> I can't imagine. Yeah, yeah exactly. And no one's exactly. looking out for us.
2: I know. Also, exactly. <laughs> it's all skeptical now. The flip side of this
3: is that in the U.S., you know, the FDA historically has not done that much um, around cosmetic permissions and, and limiting the ingredients that are used. And that's been you know, the opposite problem, which I think is why the clean beauty, the, that push has been what it is, where people have maybe gone so far because they really can't trust regulation to protect them from things.
1: Yeah, but yeah, yeah, I think they, be I think they have to ask, I think the question is, how come they don't trust it? Yeah where is this being pushed? Uh, this is the change that I'm seeing in 2020. And in recent years is the extreme fear mongering. And at the end of the day, a lot of brands are trying to sell their products and saying, these are the yeah. ones that are toxic. And then, um, you know, if you don't use clean, what are the products that you're using? It's just this psychological thing that you're like, Oh, are conventional products dirty? Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm dirty. Like it's, yeah. it's just this very, um, if, and just if you're saying non-toxic,
2: fart. then that implies everything else is toxic. So right.
1: that's right It's no. like
2: greenwashing in that way. It's like, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. like clean washing.
0: Well, yeah. I think there also tends to be one thing that I have noticed with the rise of Frankly, just social media and Instagram and all of these individual influencers is if one person has a bad experience with something, then there tends to be a condemnation you know of that thing and I, I found this a lot also when I was trying to figure out when I was pregnant you know, what was safe and what was not. Everybody is different, and everybody is different, and so right. you know, one person may have a bad reaction to something, but that doesn 't mean that that ingredient is necessarily inherently bad, um, but I think because a lot of the authorities In the space, are individual influencers and they're not scientists. And that's where we're getting our information because that's just sort of where things are right now. I think it's easier to say, like, well, this is bad and this was bad for me. And therefore, like, I don't use that. And maybe you shouldn't either.
2: Well, and I think this is why a lot of scientists are now getting on social media Mm -hmm. themselves and being really vocal. And we're even starting to see that on TikTok and with dermatologists who are trying to. Cut through the misinformation and set everybody straight. So that's a growing trend that I think we're going to continue to see going into 2021. Absolutely. That's yeah.
0: super interesting. Yeah. Have, have you seen any of the, um, I think, more predictable trends as a result of mask wearing? Like our lipstick sales plummeting? Is it all about eye, eye makeup now or are fake lashes going to come back?
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think definitely uh, NPD group, which is sort of like, this market watching uh, agency, for lack of a better word, uh, the NPD group, they watch trends from all different industries, and they said twenty two percent makeup sales are down twenty two percent this year already, and skincare is still going up, mm. and then definitely with the false lashes, I think everybody had a freakout moment in Mar- mid March when their eyelash extensions started to grow out and they're going, what does this even look like under here? You know what I'm saying? I think there was a lot of women who were like, I've had these hair extensions in my whole, these last decade. I don't even know what's under here. Like, I don't know what my natural hair color is. I don't know what my natural nails are looking like. But I think once you got past that hurdle, people are, Open to exploring new trends and new ideas, like Jenna Lyons, who used to be, of course, the grand dame of J. Crew. She just came out with a new line called, I believe it's Scene or unseen. Love Scene. Love, Love Scene, seen. yes. Yeah. And yeah, and she's coming out with a whole line of different shaped false eyelash strips and there are different uh, hair colors and different shapes. And I just find that's really interesting. Someone who wore glasses and you just really wouldn't think of her as being a false lash enthusiast. I definitely think you're going to see that trend tick up as well as like magnetic lashes and things like that. Are you seeing...
3: And embrace at all of people doing more sort of at home beauty treatments for uh, versions of things that they used to be going out and you know getting like lash extensions or getting hair extensions or what have you, even like Absolutely. manicures or yeah,
2: yeah. I mean, I think I I really think that the biggest thing is with skincare. That's where we're seeing the most growth, and I think a lot of people are doing kind of at home facials, and part of that is wrapped up in this idea of self care you know, that you can take a moment for yourself and you're kind of giving yourself a massage as you're doing these movements. Of course, we've all seen the jade rollers. Like those have just completely taken off. And we also, like Jill was just testing because we do review episodes as well. Um, you know, that brand Foreo, mm-hmm. they have like, it's kind of like the Clarisonic, yeah. but it's more, uh, it's looks like silicone device. And they just came out with an at-home microcurrent um device that's kind of like new face mm-hmm. um, and it's really geared it's like younger it's called the bear and it has these two silver balls on the top it's bright pink and it looks like a little bear um, so mm-hmm. i think they're really trying to um, normalize what normally you would find at a spa so that you can do it at home and bring it at a price point that you know is a l- little bit more accessible
0: how is Zoom playing into all of this? Because I'm so sick of looking at myself all of the time. I've never <laughs> wanted like Botox as much as I want it now from having to look at myself all day. What do you think is happening? What sort of trends are we going to see as a result of the fact that we're all staring at ourselves so much? I
1: think oh, nice. you've seen it infiltrate a lot of product development. I think anything with the word radiance or glow, mm-hmm. it's like it went straight to the top of the production line it's like everybody wants to look a little better. And if you have dewy skin or an eye cream that has a bit of reflective qualities in it, or a concealer that does like, you're going to look so much better on camera. Obviously the zoom built in zoom filter that's touch up my appearance. I assume by now, most people know about that, but if you don't, I just don't think it sure. works for me.
0: I'm convinced it's really? not, it's not working. I just, I mean, I'm
1: half joking, but I'm always <laughs>
0: like, is this thing on? Cause I don't, I don't look better. Look better,
1: yeah. <laughs> and then for Carlina and I, we were always talking about this and I just have it here because I just did it before we got on camera. And this is the root cover-up powder. Mm. Normally I use the Colorwell one, but this one is just the Clairol one. And it el- enables you to cover up any gray hairs and regrowth that you have coming in. And it works really well. It's like a mineral-based, it looks like an eyeshadow, but it's not. It's a mineral-based powder that You know, kind of erases the look of any grays, which I feel like are more on display when you're sitting this close to a Zoom camera.
2: We interviewed the founder, and she was saying like they cannot keep it on shelves. Oh, I'm sure. I believe that.
0: I Mm -hmm. used the Christoph Raban cover up um, for stray Mm -hmm. grays, and went to link to it in the newsletter as soon as lockdown started. Because I was like, oh, this is perfect, and it was sold Mm -hmm. out everywhere.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. About, I'd start re, restocking up on that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just in case. Yep, just in case. Uh, um,
3: yeah. Jill, you mentioned product development and, mm-hmm. you know, sort of like what's being pushed to the top. How do you think that product development um, is, has changed or has been affected by everything that's happened this year?
1: Well, certainly I think we've seen a lot of brand launches pushed to this fall and in particular, a lot of big names that I think we're going to launch a lot earlier, like Selena Gomez beauty, her line rare beauty makeup by Mario. His line just came out. Patrick Starr just launched a line. And if you look at someone like Jackie Ina, she's a woman of color, huge beauty influence influencer. I love her. And she's a makeup person or she's like a makeup artist by training, but her first brand launch, um, which was called forever mood. She came out with four candles. Mm. So I think That, I mean, I think that that's telling of like people are looking to spaces and and ways of like engaging with this consumer that's at home way more. And maybe, you know, we're not going to be wearing as much makeup. And I think any products, like I said before, that enhance radiance or like that are skin tints or anything that's enhancing the skin that's makeup, I think you're going to see those sort of rushed into production more so than like a crazy palette. Carlina and I were talking last year in the year, like 2018, 2019, it was just palette fatigue. You're, you're yeah. just, it was like yeah. how many more palettes do we possibly need? And we're just not seeing that this year and for good reason. So I think people just shelve those and they're like, let's go with skincare products or skincare, skin enhancing products. Like yeah. Uh, Tinge moisturizers, that kind of thing. Dewy vibes. And I think another
2: interesting development is sort of skincare ingredients in masks. Of course, mask knee is one of the biggest challenges that we're facing today. And um, they have masks now that have antibacterial ingredients woven into the face masks mm. to prevent that maskne. So a uh, company called the Hydrofacial Company came out with a mask that contains copper, which is naturally antibacterial. And there's also another brand called Yo-Yo Naturals that has zinc in the the mask. And I know Dr. Pimple Popper, I'm sure you will have heard of her as well. She actually has been recommending lately spraying the inside of your mask with salicylic acid to uh, like a spray to help prevent breakouts. So, I think that it is only a matter of time before skincare companies are going to start jumping on this trend and probably launching their own masks or collaborations with different companies to start bringing these because it is such a huge challenge for so many people who are wearing masks all day long.
1: Yeah, Yeah, there's there's actually a company called The Mask Bar and they were like, I was like, oh, these guys work hard. They work fast. They came out with a hydrogel, face mask. That's just like half of your face. So it covers like your chin Stop. and just around the mouth area. And it's designed specifically to wear it under PPE. Mm. So a few of my nurse friends are going to try it out for me in the next couple of Love days. I'm not sure how well it's going to stay on under their PPE, yeah. but I'll, I shared that in our private Facebook chat room that we have where we talk a lot about products and stuff. And so many people who work in healthcare, dental hygienists and, and, uh, people who are wearing these, PPE for yeah. long periods of time, they were like, let us know how it works.
0: Um, one thing that I, I was interested in and in keeping tabs on is was the way the sort of renewed awareness of systemic racism that took place this summer impacted beauty. It obviously impacted every single industry, but I noticed a huge conversation happening in the beauty space and also just a lot of awareness and I would say like reaction. And it was interesting to me too, because there was a lot of conversation about what was happening at beauty companies internally, but also on the product side and how they needed to be responding to this. And I'm curious why you think this took place, why you think this hit the beauty industry so hard and also sort of where things go from here.
1: Well, I think you're definitely right. We saw a huge shift with Black Lives Matter and just more attention on social justices. And, you know, I think it's just that movement beyond, you know, we had Fenty come out a few years ago, blew everyone away with 40 shades and that was then the industry standard and everyone's like, okay, we got to get 40, 40 or shades, more shades. Yeah. you know? And that was a great thing that happened a watershed moment in beauty. But now it's like, what more, like what's beyond the 40 shades? And we need to have, I think a real reckoning with like, it can't just be a marketing ploy where they're all like, you know, in the middle, 20 shades of medium, you know, it's, it's, it's a real thing that needs to be addressed instead of this like performative marketing. And I think certainly someone who's leading the charge is um, Sharon Shooter. She's the founder of Uma Beauty. That's U O M A. Everyone needs to follow follow her on Instagram. Her line is sold at Ulta Beauty, but she I just bought her brow gel. Her brow brow amazing, amazing. So yeah, she has been a force, um, and she created the whole hashtag Pull Up for Change movement, which is on Instagram. And essentially, she asked people in all these beauty companies a call to action share who's on who who's on your team how many women of color are in your are on your team and who specifically is in the c suite who's making the decisions at these companies and people responded and i think that was shared widely and then brands it impacted them very negatively if they did not share people are still like hello like chanel where are your numbers where's dior but like Everyone from indie brands to even like tech companies like Apple were sharing. And that was all started from a beauty entrepreneur. So I think that we're definitely seeing that and we need to continue to push this conversation forward because we need women of color in positions of power that are making the decisions. So you see the representation in campaigns. Mm-hmm. And in not only just in the shades that are available, but, you know, they're thinking about the 360 about how this woman wants to be, or this customer wants to be spoken to and represented.
0: Well, it was it was such an interest, it's been such an interesting conversation to follow because beauty is so sort of rife with the sort of change that needs to happen, right? And beauty plays, and our beauty standards play such a big role in systemic racism. And so to have the industry, respond and say like yes, we need to we need to be doing something about this and and what we're doing is a really important part of all of this was really heartening, I thought.
1: Yeah. And you know, we, you know, I have personally checked back on certain brands that like they posted the black square, but then did they go beyond that? Like some did and some did not. And so I think this pull up for change, um, we're actually going to be speaking to Sharon on an upcoming episode. And that's one of our top questions is where does it go from here and how do we keep the momentum going? And certainly as to white women, we obviously want to help to amplify melanated voices and we can do an even better job of that. And I think, you know, there are really exciting things happening. A big company like Glossier, who, who moved the needle more and shook things up more in the beauty biz than Glossier in the last 10 years, well, they committed a huge amount of money, not only to up and coming Black business owners, but they also are giving them mentorship. And so these these small brands that need that um, leg up, they're getting it finally and getting way more traction finally than they had ever before. So I think that's exciting to see where it goes from here.
3: It's also been really interesting, I think, to see some of these stories reported out in different ways than mm-hmm. in the beauty, about the beauty industry than they have been in the past. And you know, talking about like the black square brands, Mm -hmm. some of the CPG brands that were posting, you know, solidarity, et cetera, et cetera, were getting called out in the comments of like, stop selling skin lightening products then, stop selling skin lightening products then. And my friend Priya Rao just put out a podcast for Glossy called Unfair about the skin lightening industry um, Mm -hmm. and the harm that it does. And I think it's just, those are the kinds of important stories that I think you all are telling um, and other beauty journalists are telling that, that do make that difference and that start, you know, that piss off some of these CPG brands that do pay, that do advertise and, you know, pay the bills, but are, are just not uh, standing up for, or not, not practicing what they like at least feign to preach.
2: Well, I think another perfect example of that is uh, Monroe Bergdorf, mm-hmm. Bergdorf mm-hmm. who was the first transgender model in the UK for L'Oreal. And so when L'Oreal started kind of stepping up and saying, you know, we're here for inclusion and we're here for diversity, she kind of stopped and said, you know, what are you talking about? Because three years ago, she was dropped from her role as a spokesperson for some comments that she made that were kind of deemed as racist against white people. So I think the positive end to that story is that L'Oreal then rehired Monroe Bergdorf to sit on UK's Diversity and Inclusion Advisory Board. And that's just an example, I think, of like, some real change that we're seeing that goes beyond the performative, but it's that level, like you said, of holding brands to account, you know, and speaking up and speaking out, and that's that's what happened,
1: you know. And I think we're even seeing some really interesting things happening on social media, like some uh, dermatologists who are women of color banding together and and sharing their information because you know, we talked to a Dr. Alexis Stevens on our show. She's a wonderful derm. And she was saying, you know, in the textbooks in dermatology school, they don't even have pictures yeah. of black yeah. skin mm-hmm. yeah. to be able to uh, properly address um, some right. of the skin health concerns they have. So it's like, that is frankly something that I was shocked to hear. And I think you're going to see, you know, that's where you really see the, like the roots being, or sorry, the seeds being planted for change. And I think that mm-hmm. it can only be positive.
0: Yeah. To shift a little bit, something I've been really interested in is just how many small indie brands there are in the beauty space. I mean, just An endless amount, um, which is wonderful. And, you know, we love small brands for so many reasons. But I'm curious if you have thoughts on can this many small brands coexist? Are they all going to be sort of acquired under one holding company? What's what's the future of, of this with all of these small brands?
2: I think the ones that are going to win out the ones that are winning right now, quite frankly, are hitting at a price point that is attractive to consumers. They're, they're kind of in that vein of like the ordinary Mm -hmm. where they're just like, listen, guys, you don't need to spend, you know, a hundred dollars on a face cream for it to work. And I think what these indie brands have figured out really well is that they also feel like we don't need Sephora to make this work. Like if we're good at social media and we can come up with a good product that works for a great price point. We'll just be direct to consumer. And then half the time, yeah, they do get acquired. So there are some amazing skincare brands right now um, that are indie that I think are hugely coveted. Like Maylove is uh, a really good one. Their vitamin C serum is like taken off. Um, I feel like it's, I've heard it compared is, to the skin SkinCeuticals one that everyone loves. Yeah, yeah. It's kind of considered a dupe. Um and then Good Skin Days is another brand that um, was created by the Soko Glam founder. And it's like at a really great price point, $25, 20 dollars They also have a Seize the Day um, vitamin C serum. That's really great. In Beauty Project is another one that does a great job of targeting like Gen Z consumers. I think they just won an Allure Best in Beauty award for their, their toner. And also sunscreen, like sunscreen is an area that was really stale for a long time. There wasn't a lot of new innovation and nobody really wanted to use it. And then now we're seeing so many beautiful textures that are kind of like Korean inspired or Japanese inspired. There's a a great brand called Everyday Humans. I actually Mm. have it here and it's like so cute, Um, the packaging. Everything is twenty five dollars or under, and their sort of tagline is uh sunscreen that feels like skincare, mm. and it absolutely is that and this pink one here it's called uh rose Cebou play it's an s p f thirty gentle mineral sunscreen mm. with aloe water and vitamin E. This feels exactly like a daily moisturizer for a mineral sunscreen That's great, yeah that is fantastic. And it's like 25 bucks. You can actually buy this at Alta. So I think those are the indie brands that are really making headway right now,
1: mm-hmm.
2: you know, to come in at a really expensive price point. I don't know like what, what for, right. you know? Yeah.
1: And I think what's, what also is going to make brands survive and thrive is a great story that, and if the products have personal meaning, meaning to the founder and they actually connect with Gen Z and um, like great example of that is cheekbone beauty it was started by an indigenous entrepreneur here in Canada Jennifer Harper she's been on our show she's wonderful and it's a s- sustainable line as well but her whole mission is to help change the conversation around Native Mer- Native women across North America, across the world, and just bring them together and show their beauty. And on social media, it's been incredible to see that happen. And her trajectory is just going up, 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 because people are like, we want to support her. They're right. rooting for her. Mm-hmm. And that's the difference between... I just saw she's hiring like four people. I'm like, yes, like this is what is go- it's going to take to break through, right? And to feel like you're supporting a person and a mission and the yeah. values play into it big time.
0: That's sort of what's so interesting to me about the beauty industry from a business perspective is that brand is so critical because yes. And maybe I'm wrong and maybe I'm saying this to the wrong audience, but to me very rarely does there feel like there's a product that is so standout that's not duplicated by another brand, right? Mm-hmm. Like at the end of the day, there are just only so many formulas and like the... the, the
3: Well, there's so many versions of one thing. Right.
0: Yeah. And like the superhero ingredients are always going to be the superhero ingredients. And so like, you know, it's sort of do you like the packaging? Do you like the story? Because you can find various versions of this one thing. And so it has been so interesting to see those people who just really hit right in some way with their brand and their marketing. And that's what makes the thing take off.
1: You have to feel connected to it. I mean, we talked to so many founders on this show and we've talked to everyone, like I said, from Bobby Brown to Emily Weiss to Nancy Twine from Briogeo. And it's like, Sometimes when these brands get acquired, the big ones like Drunk Elephant, for instance, you know, it's. Uh, I'm really curious to see what's going to happen there because it was just acquired by Shado, Shiseido last year for over 800 million dollars. And it's like, are people going to be as connected to it now that it's not an indie darling? I don't know. Maybe they yeah. are, but like for us, when 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 founders go, often that's when the magic disappears too. I mean, so, I w-
0: yeah, I would love to see a big conglomerate set up shop just to house all of these indies under one roof and to say like, okay, we yeah keep the founders. Mm -hmm. Like we understand the DNA of what makes a small like indie brand work. We're going to offer the support, the infrastructure, the additional resources that make sense to centralize and then back end. Yeah, Yeah. exactly.
1: And then support all of these brands under one roof. And I mean, yeah, that's sorry. That's definitely happening. Like there are these incubators. That's another big Mm -hmm. trend that we're seeing. Like Tony Ko, who was the founder of NYX Cosmetics, cashed out more than seven years ago to L'Oreal for $500 million. And she had to sort of sit around for five years waiting for the non-compete to end. But what she's been doing now is uh, investing in these small indie brands. She has, what's it called, her incubator called, Carlene, I'm blanking on it now, but she took in, um, you know, she took the Dry Queen Kim Chi and mm. created a whole beauty line around that persona. And I think you're seeing that with like what Char- Charlotte Cho from SoCo Glam is doing. She's creating Then I Met You, then she created The Good Skin Days and now she created The Clog, that, which was, it's an ode to her blog, K-Log Clog. Mm. Um, and so I think you are starting to see that incubation happen. Maybe it's kind of more what you're talking about. Yeah, yeah, are. definitely. Yeah.
2: But in terms of uh, brand new innovations and I agree with you you don't see it often I do want to kind of do a hat tip to um a brand called hmm. it's Owa. It's O W A hair care. It's an indie brand and they have a product it's from the their moon dust collection. It's a hair wash that's a powder. Interesting. And it's water activated. So Um, it actually just won an allure best in beauty award too. I tried it myself and I really liked this product. So it basically comes in a little, I don't have it here, a little powder blue, um, bottle and it's a powder inside. It fits in like the palm of your hand and you just like pour out the powder. You add a few drops of water and it instantly lathers and you use it exactly like a shampoo. Mm. It's a mild cleanser and it lathers up like you wouldn't believe. It has like coconut derived cleansers in it and rice protein and aloe vera. And I honestly was shocked at how much just like volume and how clean my hair felt. I really didn't feel like I was kind of making any compromises. But the whole idea with that, you pay $29 for this little bottle and it's the amount of washes you get is equivalent to four full-size liquid bottles. So it's really about environmental responsibility and saving money on like shipping and production and water waste and all of that. And I think it's so smart. And I know they're going to be expanding this line into some more hair products. I think, again, due to COVID, they pushed the launch, I think, till January. Um, They're coming out with a mask and a scalp scrub but there's also a Canadian company called Anhydra. It's A-N-hydra, H-Y-D-R-A. And it was founded by the original founder of Bite Beauty. Mm. Her name's Suzanne Langmuir. And she launched this line with her son. And it's a similar idea about waterless beauty, but it's for skincare. And I think it's really fascinating. She originally launched with a cleanser which you can imagine works. It's all water activated. So it's kind of like the Dermalogica daily micro exfoliant that you might know of. The cleanser is probably the easiest to to picture and start using, but she actually just came out with a moisturizer, which is a hyaluronic based formula. So again, you add water and yeah, it's waterless. It's water activated. And then there's also a vitamin C serum. Hmm that she launched. And, you know, we interviewed her for the podcast as well. And and she, she's saying like the sky's the limit. Mm -hmm. If you imagine every step in your grooming routine, that's where they're really going with this. So I think this is a very new category um, in a space that's really cluttered. It's very interesting. And I think in terms of where we're going with climate change and, you know, what's next beyond recycled packaging, Mm -hmm. right? We love
0: that. Audacity. Okay. The, we love the Audacity Green Ceremony Cleanser. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh which is my so,
2: God, it's so, so good. Wonderful. So good. That matcha cleanser. Yeah,
0: and it's a joy. so good. And this feels silly to like point out right now, but when we were able to travel normally, it was so nice to be able to bring that on in your suitcase and not worry about getting dinged. Totally. Yeah, Dang. yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, it's, it, didn't it didn't count, count right? against you. Yeah,
1: yeah.
2: yeah. 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 I mean it, it's glass, so there's that. Right. But, but yeah, it's there's, not. That. It's not. You beautiful. can take
0: more than three ounces
2: with you. Absolutely. And that's, again, like these little um, moisturizers and and that would be perfect for travel Mm -hmm. as well. So I think it's um, fascinating. I think it's something that the bigger companies will start knocking off. And I think we'll start seeing more of this in the next couple of years. Mm -hmm.
3: What other innovation are you seeing around packaging and sustainability?
1: Well, I think there's been a lot of uh, news around TerraCycle which I'm sure you guys are familiar with, but that's the company that will basically recycle any of your bathroom garbage for lack of a better word. So there's been a real huge problem with people getting on board with recycling like their body wash bottles and their shampoo bottles. So you can take any place that has a TerraCycle box or depot, uh, you you can take your empty bottles and just drop them. And they will take care of the recycling. And I know like in the UK at Boots, they're doing a huge partnership with TerraCycle and like they're going to have those boxes in all of the stores. And I believe cool. specifically the brand Maybelline is encouraging everybody, bring back your mascara wands, you know, you're getting rid of those every three months anyway anyway typically speaking. I was going to say, so I think we're seeing <laughs> <laughs> Well, that's what they say, anything around your eyes, but I know there's plenty of people out there with two-year-old mascaras in their, in their <laughs> makeup bag. Um, and then I think you're also going to see refillable, like Carlene just discovered a new Tata Harper moisturizer. Maybe you can talk about right that. Here.
2: Yeah, so this is my new favorite moisturizer of the moment. It's the Tata Harper Waterlock Moisturizer. Um, it just came out in the spring and this is a refillable container. So it's one of those ones where you kind of like pump it push it, it down mm-hmm. with your fingers and then um, the moisturizer comes out a teeny weeny hole. And you can um, you can now buy this refill Great. container. So it's her first refill. Looks like a yogurt tub kind of thing. It really does, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so you just unscrew the top of the refillable jar, pop it in. Um, To be honest with you, there isn't a huge financial savings. I thought there was going to be more. It's only a difference of about $10 when you buy the new, the refill. But uh, I think it's a great idea. It means you can use this outer container many more times. And I guess there's a lot less waste involved. So I think we are going to see more of a refill idea from like luxury brands um, rather than just indie brands. I also... um, I think it's great. I bought
0: an expensive face oil from the brand. I don't know if I'm pronouncing it right. Care Weiss K J A E R.
1: Yeah, Care Weiss. K-Aer. Yeah. and I just
0: bought the refill, and it was so much cheaper. I was <laughs> like, I don't need yeah. the real bottle. I'll just go uh, straight to refill. And the
2: refill yeah. is also quite beautiful. Yeah, yeah.
1: yeah.
2: He's a yeah. No, it's a great. It's a great idea. And I know um, Clay de Poe for ages. It's a Japanese um, skincare line their makeup has been refillable since day one. Mm -hmm. You could buy new cartridges for lipsticks and pans for eyeshadows and stuff like that. They've always been about that. And it's just,
1: nobody really talks about it. Charlotte Tilbury has that as well, where you can just start to buy the bullet. So I think you're starting to see that become more accessible, which I think is really great. And then, you know, L'Oreal has big plans. I know, I don't know the exact things, but by like 2030, they want to like reduce their water consumption. Like these brands are trying to, um, cause ultimately it will impact their bottom line yeah. and be beneficial. So rest assured, they're the money too. It's huge. not right. That's you what know. I'm saying. Yeah. Like they're very the motivated. <laughs> yeah. They're motivated. And I think that's what it's going to take. And Unilever also, Carleen, weren't they doing like, oh, um, native also they'd have, they just launched deodorants that are in the paper packaging hmm. and it's like a push pop. Yeah. Yeah. And you can actually use, like it's cardboard. Even the stuff that it comes in is cardboard, so you can dispose of it. And um, I know like Unilever is doing that with certain products. So the big brands Unilever, Procter and Gamble, L'Oreal, they once they figure it out, I think they're everyone will follow suit. That, that makes great. sense. You were mentioning before superhero uh,
3: superhero ingredients. What are the ingredients that you're starting to see bubble up right
2: now that are suddenly like, oh, that's everywhere. Hmm. I think one, if there has been an ingredient for 2020, I would say it's niacinamide, Mm -hmm. which you can buy again from like the ordinary.
1: Mm
2: -hmm. Um, It's in so many skincare products right now. Um, It's basically vitamin B3 and um, people like you can use it to refine your texture. It's also good for your skin barrier. So I think that has been definitely the ingredient of 2020 that legitimately does work. Yeah. Are there things that legitimately don't work that just feel like (laughs) the hype? Well, I just think there are some that are more suspect. Like aloe has been a huge ingredient for 2020 as well. It's in like hair care and it's in skincare as well. And I'm a big fan of aloe, but I also think you can just pop it off like the actual succulent and put it on your skin. Do you know what I mean? So, um, I'm a big fan of it but I just think it's more of like it's just not as hard hitting of of an ingredient as as niacinamide, you know what I mean? Yeah.
1: Yes. And I think there's just yeah. a lot of things that bother me. <laughs> like let me get on my soapbox for a minute. But like when you see like blue light blocking skincare, it's like we don't need that guys. Like if there's antioxidants in it, it's already probably blocking the light from your screen and antioxidants have been protected. Like the sun is way more damaging than any, you know, zoom call that you have in front of your computer. <laughs> That's so, the pull quote for this entire yes. episode. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And so when people are talking about that, I just, I don't think we need that. There's a lot of things that we don't need. So um, I just want to make sure that we get that point across too. Um,
0: what are the blogs and, or the Instagram or Twitter or TikTok accounts uh, that people should follow besides you guys obviously to to keep up with with what's happening in the world of beauty
2: yeah um i I really like. Again, following those the kind of scientists and what they're talking about right now, we I think they're dispelling so many so many, yeah. So many we believe myths. It? Um, yeah, <laughs> yeah. So, like, I think Lab Muffin is so good. I also follow Jill, and I are both big fans of Caroline Hyrens. She is a skin guru based in the UK, and she's just a complete no BS talker. And she, I think, what really sets her apart from other quote unquote skin influencers is that not only is she really educated in what she's talking about, but she has hands-on experience. Like she actually is a trained esthetician who has done facials. She's educated brands and other facialists on ingredients and, and training manuals mm-hmm. and that sort of thing. So it's just, she has her information on lock. And then she also is just a real personality. Yeah. So I always have time to, uh, to listen to what she has to say.
1: How yeah. And you, I, Jill? I've been really interested in these dermatologists that are popping up on TikTok. And I think they're all inspired by Hiram um, skincare by Hiram. He's a 22 year old skin influencer from Hawaii. I don't know if you guys are familiar with it. him. No, but I would like to be. Yeah. yeah. So we just had him on our show earlier this month um, because literally his, the, the week that he came out on our show, the New York times did a story on him. And the headline was meet the Gen Z influencer who can make or break your brand. Hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. And so he is speaking to people on basically, he's not saying anything revolutionary. He's, he is just a skincare enthusiast. He's not a trained esthetician. He's not a dermatologist does not claim to be, but what he got famous for was reviewing people's skincare routines in the duet function on TikTok Mm -hmm. And so he is talking to a whole new generation. They were like reaction videos yes. where
2: somebody would be like popping their zip with, I don't know, like a tweezer or something. And he's like, <gasps> you know, yeah, and he,
1: the faces. And he was just coming at a younger generation with skincare info, like don't use a lot of fragrance in your products, throw away the St. Ives scrub. And ultimately a lot of people were like, why is he kind of blowing up? But he was connecting with this younger audience who didn't want to listen to a dry derm in a lab coat talk about this stuff. And so, because but because he's been so successful, now all kinds of dermatologists are on there and sharing their information in a really fun and engaging way, and I love it. It's like oh, I will watch this sixty second video about salicylic acid, or you know what what ingredients play nice together. And Dermangelo is really fun. He's he's a great one to watch. And uh, you know, I'm deep in skincare TikTok, so they just I'm just getting served all <laughs> their influencers all the time. And you know, interesting with someone like Hiram. You know he's recommending brands that are really affordable, and I think that's a great trend that we're seeing. He's not out there saying everybody grab the La Mer. You know he's like, guys, get Cerave. It works. It's twelve bucks. It's at Target. And because of his influence, he has sold out Cerave products all over drugstores, all over the U.S. And he Cerave doesn't even have a TikTok account. (laughs) Love it. So it's uh, it's been really fun. And I think I think there's been a lot of indie brand indie black owned brand founders that I've been following on Instagram that I've been, I just want to shout out one is um, I hope I say her name correctly. It's Jada J and she's an alum of Glossier and L'Oreal. And she's actually working on her own line right now, which I've been finding fascinating to watch the behind the scenes Mm -hmm. of a brand coming together. It's called by Ami, Ami Kole. And it's inspired by her son, Senegalese heritage. And I just think it's really fun to be able to, I think that's the difference with these, a lot of millennial startup brands is like, they're just showing you everything from like yeah. lab samples to things that are going wrong in real time. Yeah. Um, which I love. Yeah, totally. This has
3: been incredibly enlightening. Thank you for sharing all of your knowledge and intel with us. And I can't wait for people to dive into Breaking Beauty's episodes and and get so much more from you too.
1: Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you for having us. Loved it. Um, That's the show.
3: This has been a production of Dear Media. You can follow us on Instagram at a thing or two HQ. You can listen to us wherever podcasts are found like Stitcher, iTunes, and Spotify. If you have ideas for the show or wanna advertise, email podcast at a thing or two HQ.com. Find show notes and much more on a thing or two HQ.com.